0: Hi, and welcome back to Southgate Intersections, an exploration of environmental injustice and its repercussions under COVID-19 in a Southeast Los Angeles community. So last time we talked about water contamination in Latino communities. This week, we're going to focus on other forms of pollution. We'll discuss the Exide Battery Facility, Superfund sites, solid waste, and air pollution. This episode will feature interviews from Maria Estrada and Councilmember Diaz. We have lots of ground to cover, but I hope y'all can stick around. Let's get into it. Alright, so let's start off by talking about industrial pollution and hazardous waste. Research shows that hazardous waste sites like landfills and incinerators are located in communities that are primarily Black and Hispanic, like Southgate. There's a program that's managed by the EPA that looks as TRIs, which are facilities that emit toxic releases and pollutants, and essentially the program tracks them. And living near these facilities results in a lower quality of environment, which is kind of intuitive when you think about how toxic substances and pollutants are never really good for environmental health. Studies have shown that Minorities are most likely to live near TRIs and live within two miles of multiple industrial emission sources. Southgate is home to 14 TRI-monitored facilities. And in 2019, there was a total of 144.9 thousand pounds of total on-site and off-site disposal or other releases produced from the facilities. Among those emissions, there was chemicals released. Chemicals like xylene, and toluene, which can cause damage to your central nervous system and have neurological effects. They can also cause cancer. Also, my research found that there are currently two facilities in Southgate that have been issued non-attainment statuses for ozone and lead, which means that currently those facilities are not in compliance with the Clean Air Act. I was curious to see just how much hazardous waste and solid waste impacted Southgate. So there's this really cool tool that's available called CalEnviroScreen. Essentially, it's a state mapping system that assesses the environmental burden among census tracts. I used CalEnviroScreen to look at hazardous waste and solid waste burdens in the city. So I used CalEnviroScreen to place Southgate in context with other communities in the state of California and assess how uh, their burden compared to other communities. For hazardous waste, some of the census tract areas ranked as high as in the 96th percentile, meaning that some areas in the city were in close proximity to 18 treatment, storage, and disposal facilities or hazardous waste generators. When comparing Southgate to other communities, their hazardous waste burden was 96% higher than other census tracts in the state of California. I also took a look at the solid waste indicator and found that one of the areas in Southgate was ranked in the 99th percentile. This indicator takes into account illegal and legal solid waste facilities. At this particular census tract, there were 13 solid waste facilities in close proximity. Basically, this amount of solid waste facilities is 99% higher than other census tracts in the state of California. Another indicator of hazardous waste in a community is a Superfund site. A Superfund site is a polluted location that requires a long-term response due to the hazardous nature of its contaminants. Here's Councilmember Diaz on Superfund sites in Southgate.
1: This region of Southeast LA was once extremely thriving financially because it was a very industrial area. So sometimes we don't know in the long run, the health stressors and health effects that certain companies are gonna have. For those of you that do not know what a Superfund site is very toxic soil, right? That eventually leaks into the groundwater in our communities. So we do have three Superfund sites here in Southgate. Um, One is under remediation, the other one actually I, I flew to DC two years ago to meet with EPA to allocate some funding to do some remediation cleanup and the other one, unfortunately, is in a family trust. So that one's difficult to do cleanup. And it's a super fun site because back when EPA was um, established by our federal government, um, it was a super fun, like a huge fun to be able to clean up these um, toxic soils. There's no money now. So it all falls on small cities that barely are making ends meet right? And that's where we really have to be vocal with our Congress reps and our state legislators to help us allocate funding to clean up these soil. When I was pre-council um, member, was very vocal about this community environmental group, c community environmental health action team. Uh, We collaborate with the California Department of Public Health in just notifying residents that we live in very close proximity to Superfund sites. Um, I know back then certain council members were like, why are you opening up Pandora's box? You know, people are going to start blaming us. I was like, no, it's not about, we're not, we're not pointing fingers because you're not at fault, but you will be at fault if you don't look into this issue and find a solution for this, right? Um, so we became huge. We actually became part of the CHAT. Now that I'm a council member, we do have a city staffer from our community development. Working with them, we meet once a month. Um, Like I mentioned to you two years ago, I did fly to DC to sit down with EPA to see what funding is out there so city could apply for those grants. We were successful in one of our grants. We received about three hundred thousand, which is something because those three hundred thousand helps us with starting a testing and seeing what we have to do. Right? Um, It's also key. To be very, very vocal with our congressional reps—you know, those who represent us and help us—because in the end, these are millions and millions of dollars that small cities do not have. It falls on our congress reps and our state
0: legislators. So now we're going to hear from longtime resident of Southeast Los Angeles and community activist Maria Serrada on the Exide battery recycling facility. This facility is one of the most toxic places in the US and is located just seven miles from Southgate in the city of Vernon. The 15 acre Exide battery recycling facility has been in operation since 1922. It has been under the management of Exide since 2000 and in the time since, it has become notorious for its pollution. Can you say a little bit about what the Exide facility is? What happened? So
2: the uh, Exide uh, uh, company was functioning in the city of Vernon for 33 years without a permit. Um, Cal OSHA was in the building, was aware of the fact that the people inside of the building were being contaminated with lead. And they knew that the building was itself surrounding areas were being contaminated, never did anything. Um, the Department of Toxic Substances, uh, D- Department of uh, Toxic Substances, never um, did anything they knew. Department of Public Health knew, EPA knew, uh, Air Quality Management, the AQMD knew. Um, nobody in the government agencies to protect us did anything. In fact, to protect us, and if you look on any of those agencies, the DTSC, the governor appoints the board, uh, the AQMD. Um, the Senate Pro Tem the um, Speaker of the Assembly and the Governor appoint the board members so all of these people are capitalists and they appoint people that they know are not going to find corporations like Chevron so the thing with Exide is they had a five years to do A, B, and C they never did it, my attorney um, contacted them via email written letters to the u.s attorney's office when are you going to prosecute x i when are you going to start taking criminal charge uh start prosecuting them criminally because they're not doing what was required of them Mm -hmm. never got a response from the u.s attorney's office it wasn't until they liquidated all their assets right i mean the the owner of x i the main owner is actually on the forbes list so they were allowed they were given five years to get rid of their assets and um liquidate their assets and then say, we don't have any money and we can't do it. Now, mind you, when all this went down, if you look at their stocks, mm-hmm. part of their like reorganization is they didn't pay their creditors, they gave them stocks. The stocks were worth about $29 a share. By September of 2018, their stocks were worth $292 a share. So they were super profitable. But they had to say, well, what's more, you know, if we have to pay to clean up for lawsuits, whatever, you know, we're gonna, they basically took a bet. So they liquidated everything. And then all of a sudden we don't have money. They closed down their European um, offices before they started to hear and then shut it all down. Um, If you go the 10 most unhealthy environmentally contaminated cities in the United States, five of them have expo- excite plants in them. So that alone, I mean, they've known they've been poisoning people for years, for years. Right. And um, and the government allows it. The government protects these corporations.
0: Right, so you said that Southgate like, had the opportunity, or the city had the opportunity to become involved you know, with this whole- To ec- get
2: resources from the government to get tested, to have the county come test the land. They come and they take out dirt and they test the dirt. And if you have contamination, they clean it up. And the truth is they're not even cleaning it up right. And they're ha- they are not even cleaning it up, uh, I mean, I think they've cleaned the last time I heard of the 10,000 houses, maybe 3,000. They're not cleaning the parkways, which is the grass in front of your house on the sidewalk, right? They're not cleaning that. Right. Uh, they're not cleaning the roofs which it, the shit comes on your roof, right. goes into your attic, and then it'll seep into the house all over again. Right. None of that's being cleaned. So they're doing a shitty job. And actually, um, one of the families that got one of the contracts to clean, uh, one of the things that happened is they're bringing contractors in. These are, these are a lot of white people that are coming into our communities. They're being told that our communities is you know mostly Mexicans, a lot of gang members and all that. So these right. people are coming in already with an attitude Against us, like right, like we're you know Dangerous. less than, right. and and um, and they're not doing a good job, and um, it is difficult. A lot of people speak only Spanish, so they're not able to communicate mm-hmm. properly with these people.
0: They're not like providing translation services. No, no,
2: no. And um, uh, actually, I got a call from two young ladies who work for one of the companies, and. Um, and they're being paid less than the wage that they're required on the contract. They're not being paid vacation, their time off. They're being asked to drive all over, not being paid mileage. Um, the owner, they showed me some of the For the cleanup crew. For the cleanup crews. Uh-huh. Um, they're totally disrespectful to the employees. One of the girls told me that the owner of this company said, um, if it wasn't for me you'd be on welfare with a bunch of babies. And um, uh, this man and his family have two homes worth over $2 million each, another home worth $800-something, uh, $800 something $837,000. Something um, I contacted him. I sent him a picture of his family. I said, is this you? I said, you had better start respecting your employees because I'll show up at your house on this street, and if you're not there, I'll go to this house on this street. I, I don't give a fuck. So this is, this is what's happening. Not only have we been already poisoned and exploited and taken advantage of, we're, we're being hired by people who are even treating us worse considering it's our community that, that was infected. If you were on any of the calls that they had, now mind you, they had the calls in Delaware. The, the, they're filing bankruptcy in Delaware. So it started at 4 in the afternoon, 7 o'clock their time in Delaware. I waited almost five hours to speak. And you heard person after person people talking about their father had it was the eighth anniversary of him dying and how much he suffered like it was difficult to to listen to these people you know what, what happened and what they did and and, and miguel santiago called and people were, it's like miguel santiago an assemblyman why where was he before why wasn't he speaking up and speaking out and contacting the us attorney like cristina garcia santiago fucking rendon had all these like this is a disgrace this is unfair like you didn't do anything for five years you're the speaker of the assembly for fuck's sake you could have advocated for your community but you didn't and now it's all for press and to give this illusion that they gave a fuck and they were going to do something about it they did nothing they did nothing the wind patterns this shit's all the way in East L.A. Boyle Heights area I mean it's everywhere
0: so it definitely affected the city of Southgate
2: yeah 97% of the houses tested have lead. There are no safe levels of lead.
0: In Southgate? It, it, or in- They're not even
2: testing in Southgate because the city never advocated and requested that. Wow! So Southgate's not even in part of the whole fucking picture right now. In fact, people that work for DTSC helped Exide actually lie about the levels within a certain amount, I think it was 1.7 miles, so that they could contain financially the damage control of their liability so even the initial numbers that were given were bullshit because i know people that were there that work for dtsc people that work for excite that were involved in the cleanup that you know um that that have told that 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 the numbers that they gave and the testing they did was all falsified but aside from that um in 2015 when You know this all came down and they were forced to shut down the people working there the the, the CEO all of them were were protected from criminal charges now we know people have died there are clusters they're called clusters where you could go on a street in the city of Maywood eight people cancer this is happening everywhere I mean you could add to that the oil refineries and how it's all in our neighborhoods all of these things affect us so so There's a reason why people in Southeast and South Central live 10 years less than people in Beverly Hills because they're putting this shit in our neighborhoods. Aside from that, the agencies in place are not going to do anything to protect us because the people running those fuckers are appointed by our representatives who have no intention of protecting us. Mm. So they'll pander to our communities. They'll, you know, act like they give a fuck about us. But at the end of the day is... They're going to allow them to do this to us. And this has been going on for decades. So um, they were given protection from criminal prosecution, but they had to do certain things. This was an agreement that was made with the U.S. Attorney's Office, and every elected official was involved. Mm. So for over 30 years, every elected official in that area knew what was happening. There's no way they fucking did it and they never said anything and there's a reason if you go to city to city every city councilman mayor that 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 is elected that the democratic party has supported will not speak out again over these things they're they're not saying thing about the water they're not saying anything about the environmental issues and, and a lot of people don't know that when the Exxon catastrophe happened the city of southgate council never advocated for the city and for the for them to come test in Southgate so Southgate is not even part of anything that's going on with that so that the people of Southgate are not protected or don't have any say in, in any of that 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 alone is is criminal in mm-hmm. my opinion but um and the fact that they're not testing for it i think is wrong
0: Throughout the past decade, the facility has been allowed to operate even though it was only issued temporary permits by the Department of Toxic Substances Control. Air quality regulators cited the facility 32 times for excessively releasing lead into the air from 2012 to 2014. The soil underneath the facility has become extremely polluted, with high levels of lead, arsenic, cadmium, and other toxic metals. They have completely contaminated the surrounding communities with lead. A health risk assessment conducted in 2013 found that the facility posed a maximum individual cancer risk of 156 and 1 million. The public notice threshold is 10 and 1 million. 256 and 1 million far surpasses it. These findings indicated that the facility posed a quote, imminent and substantial danger to the public health of the surrounding community. The risk assessment indicates that the city of Southgate is located in an isopleth that poses a risk of 1 in 100,000 for cancer. After years of emissions and hazardous waste violations, and due in large part to community organizing, Exide Technologies entered a deal with the state agreeing to close down operations in exchange for the avoidance of criminal prosecution. As part of the deal, the company would have to acknowledge and state that they acted criminally as well as they would be responsible for the demolition and cleanup of the facility, as well as fund the cleanup of the surrounding community. Under the original agreement, if the terms were not met in the next decade, they could be charged criminally. This year, the court allowed Exide to claim bankruptcy and abandon the site, leaving the cleanup funding up to the taxpayers. They were essentially left off the hook and did not suffer any criminal consequences despite having only cleaned up 1,577 out of 8,000 lead-contaminated locations that they were supposed to in five years. Although the city of Southgate was definitely impacted by the pollution of this facility, according to Maria, there currently has been no testing for lead from the Exide facility. no way to know the extent of contamination in the Southgate area. Alright, so the last segment of this episode will focus on air pollution. It's no secret that air pollution disproportionately affects Black and Brown communities. Oftentimes, these communities bear the brunt of pollution because they live and work in areas that are most exposed. Numerous studies have found that communities of color are unfairly burdened. Air pollution, in particular, has its effects most concentrated in populations that live in urban settings, are economically disadvantaged, and have large minority populations. A 19-year study that was published in 2016 concluded that even at the census block level, environmental inequality is present. Black and Latinos are exposed to much higher levels of NO2, PM2.5, and PM10 when compared to whites. Research supports that air toxics from mobile sources result in elevated cancer risk for highly segregated metropolitan areas, specifically Hispanic communities. A study found that some of the highest risk estimates for this were in Southern California. About 20% of the Hispanic population in the nation lives in highly segregated metropolitan areas like Southgate. Cancer risk increases as segregation levels increase. This effect is seen the most predominantly in segregated Hispanic communities. Much of the research specifically points to on-road and traffic sources as one of the main emissions sources resulting in disparities in exposure and cancer risk. Air pollution is particularly concerning because it can have numerous negative health impacts like cancer, cardiorespiratory mortality, asthma exacerbation, respiratory illness, to name a few. It would follow that constant exposure over a substantial period of time, coupled with factors like pre-existing disease, lack of access to medical care, poor nutrition, socioeconomic stress, and exposure to other pollutants would result in larger health risks. So now we're going to hear again from Maria Estrada and she's going to talk a little bit about air pollution in southeast Los Angeles and healthcare.
2: Well, I mean, just throughout the whole Alameda corridor, from the port all the way through Southgate and beyond, I mean, um, from the freeways and the pollutants, from those freighters that are being, trucks are unloading and moving them, all of that comes off of there and onto our communities. Um, We have some of the worst air quality in the entire state and the state of California has the worst air quality in the country. Yeah, I think so,
0: CalEnviroScreen rated um, Southgate as 90% more environmentally burdened than, you know, any other zip code in the state of California.
2: And and it's because of where we are. And um, and we're not being protected. Let Is the, that
0: due to the the legacy of industry and, that com- and, you know, the Southgate community?
2: That's due to... Elected officials and government agencies not enforcing laws already on the books. That's uh, because of these agencies not going after corporations that are contaminating us and poisoning us. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a lot of things involved, but I mean, we have high asthma rates. You have small children with inhalers. Mm -hmm. We have high rates of uh, leukemia, uh, different kinds of cancers we have um, the highest rates. Southeast LA has the highest rate of uninsured children in all of California. Southeast LA has the second highest rate of uninsured adults. And there was a bill that was represented in, in uh, 2017, SB 562, single-payer health care, that would have not only saved the state of California $37 billion annually, low ball number, it would have covered everyone in the state, Including the undocumented which in our communities. There's many undocumented people It would have covered medical dental vision drug rehabilitation mental health pharmaceuticals The tax rate would have been 2.3% on Revenue over three million dollars. So small businesses would not have been affected Mm -hmm. and it would save I mean you gotta think about every police officer every teacher we pay their health insurance every union should have been all over that the unions are tied to the democratic party so they're not gonna do anything about it and and since that bill was shelved tens of thousands of people have died because they don't have health care so not only are they poisoning and killing us they're denying us the health care we need to treat this. So it's all about money. I mean, you could just look at Anthony and Don Cristine Garcia. There's a bill that just was shelved, uh, the new healthcare bill AB fourteen hundred. For eight months they shelved it. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Healthcare is a human right, and they shelved it. If they're not going to give us healthcare in a pandemic, they're never going to give it to us. And yet, I could go into our communities, and people don't even know what AB fourteen hundred is. Because even amongst people that are organizing this, they do not, I've I've said this numerous times, the California Progressive Alliance Convention, at different conventions when I speak, unless you're in my community, and your people in my community know about that bill, your bill's never gonna pass. LA County is the largest voting block in the entire country. We could decide just in LA County, any state bill, by the sheer amount of voters we have. And they don't invest the money in billboards, in literature, right. in, in, in coming into our communities, the poorest communities who need it the most, that if they knew about it, they'd vote about it. But they don't invest that money and that time in our communities, and that's part of the problem. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm actually Healthy California, and the California Progressive Alliance has asked me to, um, I'm one of the champions for these healthcare bills, I've spoken on it at the Capitol in Frisco. Like this is like one of the main issues that we need. Healthcare is crucial. I've spoken to so many thousands of people in Southeast LA, and everywhere. You have a child that has a bronchial issue. You take them in emergency. You got to put out hundred, hundred fifty, hundred sixty dollars, and now you got to like now you can't pay rent. Right. So it's literally life or death. Mm -hmm. Food on the table, rent, electricity. It is cruel to deny people health care, and yet here we are again. They just did it again.
0: So I used the Cal-Enviro screen tool once again to assess the air pollution burden. Southgate ranked in the 40th percentile for ozone, meaning the concentration of ozone in the area is 40% higher than the rest of the state. Ozone is one of the primary components of smog and can cause a variety of conditions, including lung irritation and chronic health conditions, even in minimal amounts. PM2.5 are small particles in the air that include dust, chemicals, soot, and metal. Their inhalation can result in heart and lung disease and can contribute to mortality. The city has an 82% higher concentration of PM2.5 in the air compared to the rest of the state. Diesel contains many different chemicals which can have consequences on human health like heart and lung disease and lung cancer. The amount of diesel emitted into the air is about 57% to 76% higher than the rest of the state. Toxic releases refer to toxic chemicals released from facilities. The toxic release indicator places Southgate anywhere from 86% to 90% more burdened by toxic releases than other census tracts. Traffic density is also another indicator of air pollution and is the main source in most of the state. Chemicals from traffic can damage DNA, cause cancer, cause breathing problems, and have negative effects on births. Southgate has anywhere between 50% to 87% more traffic density than the rest of the state. The city is surrounded by major freeways, the 105, the 710, and the 42. We can see from this data that residents of Southgate are extremely exposed to high levels of air pollution and have been exposed to these high levels for years. We can only imagine the health impacts it has had on the community and how that burden has been further exacerbated by barriers to health care. Thanks so much for listening and supporting this project. Hope you can stay tuned in. I'm your host, Aisha Wallace Palomares. I'm an undergraduate researcher at the University of California, Berkeley. And this is Southgate Intersections, an exploration of environmental injustice and its repercussions under COVID-19 in the Southeast Los Angeles community. I would like to take the time to say thank you to the latin accent environment initiative and the institute for research on labor and employment at the university of california berkeley for making this project possible see you next week